0: You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today we welcome back Chad Dotson. We're going to get you all excited about the 2020 Cincinnati Reds here today on the Locked On Reds podcast. All right, for today's Locked On Reds, it's Wednesday, it's hump day here on the podcast. And actually, while we're recording it, uh, I am doing a little bit of celebrating of St. Patty's. I've got my mug of Guinness. Wick, you got your mug of Guinness?
1: Uh, I don't have my mug of Guinness yet. Uh, I've got um, a little bit more work i got to knock out today, but that is coming down the road. I do have a green hat and green socks on, though. So yes. uh, my my Irish roots are doing their best to show
0: through right now. We got to celebrate as much as we can. I was at the store getting a couple of things for today and guy was like, yep, got to celebrate St. Paddy's a little different this year. And I'm like, yeah, more of a private celebration, but hey, you
1: know, <laughs> unfortunately, yes,
0: it's still going to be something. Um, well, let's, let's do, let's have a little fun. Like, I know the world kind of is weird and kind of sucks right now. And it's like you were saying, it doesn't seem like it's getting any, uh, Closer to you know, normalcy or anything like that, but let's talk about some Reds baseball, you know, and just have some fun. I was yeah. thinking a couple of different things, I mean obviously, as far as when the season is going to start, who knows uh, we keep hearing different times, it's like they started with two weeks, we all knew that wasn't going to happen, but then they're like, well, now it's not even going to be till June. some people are saying not even till July, but once the season gets going first of all what can we glean from positivity out of this time i mean there's a couple of guys who can get healthy right
1: yeah, you know, I, I think Nick Senzel obviously had had returned to the lineup before they shut down Cactus League games, hit a home run, began to look at the plate like the guy that we thought he could be. Um, hadn't gotten back on the field yet, obviously, but uh, then Eugenio Suarez was slated to get back in, I think, the day that they actually canceled games. So um, having two shoulder surgeries get a little bit more time to heal is obviously something that I think is uh, going to be beneficial to, to both of them and to the lineup as a whole. Um, you know, nationally, we just saw today that Justin Verlander had a groin surgery that's Going to sideline him for roughly six weeks, which, you know, if you're going to have it right now, is the time to have those kind of things because obviously there's there's enough up in the air to suggest that he's not going to miss any time either. So um, it certainly does push back. Uh, uh any any escalated or accelerated timelines that guys that are coming back from injuries would face. And um yeah, I, I think that the Reds look like, you know, barring any other additional um swimming pool accidents and injuries and that we might see over these next few weeks, uh <laughs> it certainly does look like that there's no reason why everybody shouldn't be back at full strength. And um, you know, I think Uh, regarding the start date, uh, you know the initial two-week pushback was one of those things that it either had to be two weeks or two months because you know the nature of baseball that you can't shut down pitchers for four weeks and then bring them back in three days. Uh, If you shut them down for that long, it's going to take that extra window to build themselves back up. And I think what we heard over the last two days is basically that um, since the two-week window is definitely not going to happen, it's got to be at the earliest, late June, early July at this point. And uh, yeah, now the question becomes, Do they try to squeeze a full season in and run into November-December baseball or start modifying schedule? And
0: uh, that's going to be what to watch next. I was curious about that too because I've seen some reports that, you know, one exec thinks that they can get a 162-game season in and then one exec says definitely not. It might be half a season or something like that. Do you think – because I I, I don't see – I don't see them pushing because there's a couple of cities that, you know, once we get into December, it's going to get a little bit tough just for travel-wise, let alone actually getting the game in. Do you think they could get a full season in? Because I don't think they can.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think they can either. Uh, and if they do, I think it would only be because they were trying to squeeze too much out of the players in too short of a time. You know, uh, starting to stack doubleheaders and take days off away and get rid of the All-Star game and all that other stuff that, you know, it's just it's a, it's intricate to uh, to keeping these athletes as healthy as physically possible. And I think that's ultimately what the Baseball uh, Players Association is gonna ag- ag- going to advocate for. Um, you know, yeah, I've, I've seen so many different scenarios thrown out there about maybe 120 game season maybe a 100 game season um you know one that i kind of just was concocting in my head what if they scrap interleague play and uh, just take the 15 AL teams and 15 national league teams and play AL NL baseball? Uh, You can get two series, six games each against all the NL teams and play an 84 game schedule. Uh, And then you've got national league representatives and American league representatives into a playoff system that doesn't have to be too terribly different than how it normally is. Um, You know, I think all those things are kind of on the table at this point. It's going to be very, very interesting to see um, a uh, how quickly baseball and the players association can agree on that. Uh, what that means for salaries for service time, uh, whether or not all the, the stadiums can get rebooked if they've got other events that they had on their schedule also, because they had the baseball schedule factored in, you know, all these things are, it's, uh, it's so much, you know, the more you think about it, the deeper it gets kind of thing. And, um, they've got, you know, even if right now they knew that right now, July 1st was going to be the first games of the season. I think they would literally still be working day and night, all day, every day, trying to get all of the logistics in place to make sure that happens. So, um. Yeah, I I am not envious of a lot of people right now in the jobs that they're trying to pull off. Um, uh, obviously, being in uh, the baseball uh, uh, decision making process is significantly different and on a whole other level than than what we're seeing with uh, uh, healthcare workers and all that. But uh, they've got their brains cut out
0: for them right now because they've got so many decisions to pull off. I do like that one-league system. I mean, you know, it used to be that way, that you didn't see anyone from the American League unless you were the nationally representative for the World Series. So I definitely think, at least for one year, for this emergency circumstance, they can do that. I don't think they'd get too much pushback. There'd probably be some fans, probably, probably the same fans that said that even if they contracted some life-threatening virus, they would still go to the opening day parade. They would be mad about the Reds not playing the Indians, but i i think we would all get past that i would like to see that and and maybe something else i i had seen just for uh discussion purposes i saw someone posited this idea where you have nine game series against your Mm -hmm. in in division rivals all of your divisional opponents and then seven game series against one team who was like on your same plane from each other division now that would also include the american league but like you know that would that would see the Reds playing the fourth place team from every other division, and I thought that was kind of interesting too. That was more of a kind of almost an NFL way of doing things with the schedule. But yeah, you know
1: something yeah, about. Uh, I've also seen the idea kicked around that you can almost do big league exhibition games in lieu of uh, spring training games. You know, you almost Mm -hmm. maybe get uh, a five and five between Cincinnati and Cleveland uh, to get 10 exhibition games in, in both Cleveland and Cincinnati uh, before the season actually starts. Uh, You could do something like that. And then maybe even have, the all-star game almost on schedule, uh, to start the season, uh, and use that as kind of a way to kick back off, uh, major league baseball, uh, getting back to business and then playing 85 to 90 games after that, that actually count. Um, but I think there's gotta be a way for, uh, baseball to, to, to put itself back into spotlight, to celebrate getting back to business, so to speak, but also, uh, not making all the games count while still getting everybody kind of ramped back up to speed, I guess is the best way to describe it. And, uh, Uh, I think the more you can do that in front of the most fans is probably going to be the best way to do it. So, um, you know, whether or not spring training actually gets kicked back into the uh, the, the year in the way classic spring training is or not, or if teams just work out at their, their big league facilities and open things up for fans in Cincinnati to come out and uh, to great American and watch uh, uh, interleague or inner squad games for, for a week, two weeks, something like that. I don't know, but uh, I think one way or another, it's, um, it's going to take some very creative thinking and probably, Uh, A whole series of events that we haven't seen before and probably won't see again uh, and hopefully won't see again uh, in the the middle of a baseball season just because it's uh, it's one of the more unique circumstances that uh, they've ever faced and that we've ever seen.
0: It's just unfortunate that all of this stuff it's it's the most Cincinnati thing and I know it's happening around the world and it's and it's affecting everyone in the world but it's still the most Cincinnati thing ever that the most anticipated season that I can remember in recent history continually gets pushed back. And it just, <laughs> oh, it's just so annoying. Um, <laughs> I've got, got a couple of thoughts on that that we may agree or disagree on. We'll see about those here in just a minute. But first, I wanted to ask you something. Do you hate getting on the scale?
1: <laughs> because uh, I do. Uh, that's that. Well, put it this way. I haven't done it in a while. Um. So... <laughs> Uh, maybe it's not that I hate it, but that I try to block out the concept of it as much as I possibly <laughs> I <don't>, can.
0: <laughs> I do not blame you at all. And especially now, it's like, hey, we just got to make sure we actually have food in the house. Who cares what the health content of that food is? But yeah, or you know, when it comes to the scale, though, maybe it's just because you haven't found the right one. <laughs> well, I, I, I will say
1: I, in my in my spare time when I'm not busy uh, watching as much possible baseball as I can, I do do a lot of backpacking. So um, I actually just last month I, I spent seven days backpacking through the Grand Canyon. So um, I do have some moderate experience trying to plan to have provisions um, when I can't just run to the store quite often. But I will freely admit uh, it's one of the hardest possible things to do to know that you've got all these things that you have thought about well in advance to have to eat and then have to forget about them until the time comes that you're supposed <laughs> to eat them. <laughs> yeah. and generally speaking, by the end of the trip, I've burned through everything that I brought well before I hoped I would still have it around. So,
0: yeah, it's, a, it's an exercise, man. It certainly is. I can see. Oh, man. That that sound backpacking through the Grand Canyon sounds. I, I was just happy I got out to Sharon Woods today to do a little. Walk here in Cincinnati, but uh, Grand Canyon sounds a little bit more majestic than Sharon Woods. Um. Uh,
1: it was a little, it was a little more majestic. My, my knees and ankles right now would probably uh, have a different way of describing <laughs> how it went. But yeah, it was uh, it was a great trip. I just uh, I was trying to squeeze one more trip in before coming back for baseball season. So it's weird because I was uh, uh, very uh, very optimistic about this upcoming year as well when I got out of the canyon. And like you mentioned, man, it's uh, you know obviously the Cincinnati Reds had the the biggest most expensive. Uh, uh, winner spending spree they've ever had. Um, looked fully poised to come into this year, uh, you know, firing on all cylinders and trying to win as most games as possible for the first time in what, seven to eight years. Um, and to see that kind of get knocked off its podium before it ever got started is, it's frustrating. It's uh, yeah, it's, it seems like one more, uh, one more notch in the, uh, the, the long suffering Cincinnati sports fan uh, uh, belt, unfortunately
0: right and 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 you know why it's because the reds have the right equipment and when it comes to the right equipment and weight tracking you gotta look no further than withings withings produced the world's first smart scale and they are still the best in fact tom's guide tom he knows his stuff rated withings body plus the best overall smart scale for 2020 if you're looking to lose weight Willpower is key, but just like the Reds having the right stuff, so is you having the right tools. That was terrible English. (laughs) Withings, smart scales are known for durability and exceptional user-friendly design. Step on and data from every way in syncs automatically to the free app for iOS and Android via Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. Look, lots of smart scales. They don't have the Wi-Fi option but Withings does and what that means is you need to have your phone on you with the others but not with Withings. Withings Body Plus gives weight, full body composition, weight trend, even a local weather report. The scale can support up to 8 users and even knows which user is which. So here's the deal, Wick, you can go to withings.com/mlb and get 25% off the Withings Body Plus right now. That's W I T H I N G S dot com slash MLB to get the body composition body plus scale at 25% off.
1: Yeah, man, I'm in a whole other world when it comes to scales. Maybe that's the problem. I got to upgrade. <laughs>
0: I, oh man.
1: I, I'm in the scale dark ages every year.
0: The reds set themselves up so well and, and and one of the moves that they did, they actually did during the season last year, bringing in Trevor Bauer. He didn't pitch that well, but we know he's got the talent to definitely be one of the top three guys in this rotation. Some projection systems have him as maybe being the best guy in the rotation this year. And then on the other side of the spectrum, we have a dude who's been here his whole career. a dude who he has been at his best whenever the team wasn't. And that is our man, Joseph Daniel Vado. Those two guys bouncing back are going to be key for this Reds team to make the playoffs. Like we all know that they can. What I want to ask you today is Wick, something that I've asked hypothetically to the abyss over the last couple of episodes, which one is more important? Mm-hmm.
1: That's a really good question. Um, you know, at the, st- <laughs> If, if the 2020 season was getting started on, on March 26th the way that it was originally scheduled to, um, I, I think I would lean more towards Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, uh, during the 2018 season with Cleveland, he showed that uh, when he's at his absolute best, he can be one of the three, four best pitchers on the planet. Um, even when he's not that guy over the last couple, five years, you know five, six years, he's shown that he's a well above average pitcher, somebody who you can slot in as your number two. Uh, and if he's your number two, you know you've got an absolute top tier. Your uh, uh starting rotation. Um, you know, for as high as I am on guys like Sonny Gray and Luis Castillo, um, you know, I think Bauer's the guy who's proven he's more durable and at times has been as good or better than they've shown. Um and he kind of is the the veteran leader of this staff in many ways. And so um for 162 game slate, I would think it's him. Um something I've been thinking about and actually have gotten started on writing on it, and hopefully we'll have it done tomorrow. Um, on those contingency scenarios we've talked about just in the last little segment. Um, What if the major league season is only 84 or 94 games? Mm -hmm. Um, How important is a deep five-man starting rotation? You know, um, when you lop off that many innings that need to get pitched over the course of a major league season, much like in, you know, short uh, uh, playoff series, five, six-game playoff series, you don't see teams use five starters anymore um, because they lean on bullpens and everybody's, you know, trying to get every last out. Uh, If the season is shortened, how important are... Uh, is starting pitching depth anymore, you know? Mm, That's Um, true. And so uh, just because there's that many less innings to pitch, you're not stretching it out, and the value of uh, throwing 210 innings becomes less because so many more pitchers can pitch 100 innings. Um, So uh, in that scenario, I would almost think it might be Votto uh, because – Obviously, this winter of the offense was the focus of uh, the moves that the Reds brought in with Shogo and, and Moustakas and Nick Castellanos uh, uh, being the big names there. But, um, you know, Votto's still going to hit second and he's still going to be asked to get on base. Um, he's also a guy that over the last couple of seasons, while his overall numbers haven't been great, uh, he's been a slow starter more often than not in the last few seasons. And, you know, if you take... You know, obviously you never know because you never know if he's a slow starter because he took the winter off to make sure he can make the grind or if it just takes him seeing X number of pitches before he feels comfortable again. Um, Maybe getting the chance to bump the season back until when it's warmer and he's that much further removed from the grind of the previous season. Maybe he hits the ground running on a short season this year and puts up the kind of numbers over the course of the full quote unquote 2020 season as he did over the last half of last year. Um, And then suddenly he's a well above average offensive player again. And you put that kind of production in the number two spot in the lineup with uh, the big bats that they brought in to hit behind him. Um, And then suddenly that's the kind of offensive juggernaut that I think would be hard for for most teams to beat. Uh, Yeah, I, I think they're both. Absolutely expected to be key cogs this year and expected to be better than what they were for the Reds last year, too. And I think that's the biggest key is that, um, you know, regardless of which one's more important, I think it's vitally important that both of them play better in 2020 than they did for the Reds in 2019.
0: That is interesting to think of a shortened season because also remember that the bullpen last year was really strong through the first half of the year and then just kind of tapered off by how much usage they got in that first half. That that would be a very important factor in an 82-84 game Mm -hmm. season because, you know, I mean, not to say that that would almost give David Mm -hmm. Bell permission to manage every game like it's Game 7, but it would – probably take a little (laughs) bit less pressure off of him if he really feels like he's got to manage a game hard Uh, yeah
1: oh sorry. sorry I was gonna say yeah it's you know it's it's for you know the 162 game classic season you almost look at your fourth and fifth starters as uh trying to be just good enough and eat just enough innings to get to the playoffs uh where then you can lean on your one two and three and the back three guys in your bullpen to get to get you seven wins or nine wins or whatever it takes to get through the playoffs. um, You condense that down and then suddenly how important is Wade Miley going six innings every five days? You know, it's um, you do, do you really want that or do you want those innings to go to, to Michael Lorenzen and make sure he gets to 70 innings in, in a shortened season. So um, yeah, all those, all those uh, uh, aspects of it are, are beginning to kind of like roll around in my head because uh, we've never seen a 85 or 100 game season before. Uh, so we don't really know how all these analytics and how the, the most active uh, uh, um uh, managers like David Bell in terms of uh, moving position players around and double switches and, and going to his bullpen, um, you condense that out into such a, a tightly small-knit uh, season, uh, and then suddenly you're going to start seeing so many more weird things that you never would have thought of if the season was
0: 162 games. It's something off the beaten path, and I just kind of thought of this, when it comes to the shortened season do you think that the leaders of the players union are going to be watching it really carefully and being like you know what maybe we can use this as a negotiating tactic in the next collective bargaining agreement yeah it's going to be very interesting to watch Uh,
1: you know obviously once they decide how many games they're going to play then suddenly um, you know, right now, 172 days of service time is what it takes to get a big league year in. Um, if there's no baseball, you're not gonna get to 172, so they're gonna have to negotiate that further down uh, to determine who's the Super 2 and all those other things that are just, you know, the the administrative aspects of baseball that, that have to get back filled in once they decide on when they can actually roll the ball out and start playing. Um, yeah, you know, you factor in that the, the collective bargaining agreement expires after what? After the 2021 season, uh, and you know there was going to be extensive negotiations uh, uh, at that deadline and in the year and a half leading up to it, uh, I think this brings a lot of those larger scale conversations uh, to a table that's already going to have the right people sitting around it. So you wonder while they, they do some of these negotiations for how to pull 2020 off, how much of that's going to get rolled into where baseball goes beyond this. Um, you know, Obviously, we've seen so many rule changes Over the last two years, as is with, uh, you know, expanding the roster to 26, but also limiting September guys, um, the two way player rule, uh, the three batter minimum, pitch clocks, uh, pace of play, all that stuff. Um, You know, obviously, these two sides have had a lot to negotiate uh, aside from the extenuating circumstances of of the coronavirus right now. Um, I think they're going to be talking about. 2020 specifically a lot obviously uh but they're going to have a lot of other conversations that are going to be very very uh impactful for how the next 10 years of baseball go on um and they're going to get kind of uh, almost uh, shock tested uh by making those calls in 2020 absolutely
0: it'll be interesting to see how that all develops and and real quick just going back to our initial question when it comes to the two of them i almost think and i could totally be wrong because i'm I'm wrong about a lot of things, Wick. I'm not always right. But when I look at this question, I almost think that Joey is our man that is super important because when I look at this lineup, I think he has the highest ceiling for on base percentage when it comes to, I think he has the best chance to get to 400 on base. If we're, Sitting here halfway through the season, whenever that is. I about said June. June's probably going to be the start of the season. Ah, it's me. Whatever. Um, (laughs) If we're halfway through whatever season we get to witness, and he's still sitting around 340, 350 on-base percentage, I think that the Reds, while they have a lineup that's going to be able to score and stuff – they definitely don't have the guy who can fill in for that 400 on base. Like I think Shogo is probably the second best case scenario for really high on base percentages. But beyond those two guys, I'm not sure who's going to be at the top of the lineup that's really going to be that harbinger to get on base for Castellanos, Moose, and Gino. And when I look at Trevor Bauer, I think that Because his career has more closer been to the four ERA. I don't think he's going to be in the fours this year. I think he's going to get back into the threes. Probably not 2.2 like it was in 2018. Although that would be awesome. I would love that. (laughs) Uh, But uh, if he's in the three ERAs, the runs that the Reds are going to be able to produce are going to outweigh what it is he's giving up for other teams. And so I think that Joey is just slightly – now, it's, it's not to minimize the importance of Trevor Bauer bouncing back. If he pitches an entire season of six-plus ERA, then, well, we're talking about Homer Bailey then, and I don't want to go there. <laughs> but, you know, for the most part, I think it's just maybe like a hair more, at least in my mind, that Joey Votto's bounce back is, an, is really important for this Reds playoff picture.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the, and two things specifically jump out as kind of just an argument for both of them. Um, you know, obviously Bauer's struggles once he came to the Reds last year are well noted. Uh, it wasn't because he was hurt. So he's healthy. Right. It's not like there's a bounce back that we we're expecting because of some procedure that happened. Um, he is full time paired up with Kyle Bodie now, uh, somebody who he has advocated for and been the, the star pupil of uh, for years now. And the Reds embraced not just what Bodie brought to the table, but how much they it, invested in getting Trevor Bauer by bringing him in uh, uh, as their kind of their pitching guru last fall. So I'm looking forward to seeing how having the two of them working even closer together than they already have uh, really helps kind of bring a 2020 revival for him. Um, and with Votto, you know, obviously last year uh, uh, with Turner Ward and with Donnie Eckert We saw a lot of swing changes. Uh, We saw some beneficial, obviously, Aristides Aquino took off for a while before he cratered. Uh, Josh Meter tweaked his swing to great, great results. Uh, Brian O'Grady did as well and and burst on the scene as a big leaguer. Um, At the big league level, though, you saw Joey Votto, Nick Senzel also, um, both go through midseason swing changes that really kind of You could tell they were never really comfortable the entire season. Um, Ward and Ecker are both gone. uh, And as a result, you've seen a a new hitting staff brought in. uh, And what happened when the Reds got to spring training this year? Joey Votto's back to crouching. He's not choking up as much as he was, but he abandoned the swing change that he tweaked midseason last year. Nick Senzel did too. Senzel obviously had surgery, um, bulked up, put on some weight as a result, but came back and is now swinging the bat the same way he did when he made himself a top 10 uh, universal prospect. So um, I think it's pretty clear that while The numbers that Joey put up last year uh, weren't exactly the best. Uh, I don't necessarily think it was all because of his failings. I think they realized they might have just been tweaking with a guy who's good enough to not be tweaked with that much and I'm excited to see how comfortable he looks this year uh, because he never looked comfortable last year and maybe it's just he had too many voices in his ear Um, but Joey obviously is one of the more cerebral uh, athletes I've ever come across uh, Mm. baseball specifically Um, him just getting back to what he knows how to do which is but it looks like he's trying to do at the plate or did before Cactus League got canned. Um, I, I think I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to see obviously an older version of Joey Votto, but one that looks a little bit more like the, the classic uh, outthinking the pitcher Joey Votto this year and not trying to overthink his own, his own self. Um, and if that happens, I think we'll see uh, the Joey Votto that owns the strike zone better than any player
0: uh, in, in his generation. I still think that he can get to, and shout out to the team that is nearest to you, I still think he can get to the late career version of Todd Helton. I think he can do that. That'd be fantastic, yeah. But when it comes to, uh, I, I'm I'm happy, Alan Zinter has been saying all the right things the little bit that we've seen from him but you know he's talking about on base percentage on base percentage people getting on base people taking pitches I, I like what i'm hearing there and when you talk about trevor bauer and kyle Bodie, i love the uh the podcast video cast whatever it's called on youtube that cc sabathia and ryan ruoku did with trevor and sunny gray and and one of the benefits of having Trevor on the roster was realized whenever Sonny kind of mentioned, he's like, you know, early on in the year, whenever Derek Johnson and Caleb Cotham were talking about the Sotos and the Edgertronics and all the different stuff and all the results that were coming in from that, Sonny was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, it was like information overload. I really wasn't translating it. Like I was, I was getting it. It's like, okay, I need to do better, but I'm not, there was like a little bit of step that was missed in that translation. He said, as soon as Trevor Bauer came over, it was like the light, the light switch came on in his mind because Trevor was able to explain what yeah. all of that meant to him. It's like
1: he was the tr- the translator, like the perfect, right. the, the Rosetta Stone of what was getting told. Yeah. That that was a, it was a light bulb moment uh, when I saw that as well. And hopefully that's uh hopefully Sonny's not the only pitcher that had that happen. Uh, right. They get a lot of really, really talented guys on the staff. And um, if they all kind of are, are able to pick up bits and pieces that they're learning from, from all of this technology uh, you know, guys like Lucas Sims, who can just spin the ball like crazy and you know, he's got a breaking ball that falls off the face of the earth. Cody Reed as well. Um, if they can help hone that down, uh, I think the Reds have upside on their staff. They might not have experience in proven back-of-the-baseball-card numbers the way that uh, classic staffs have been built, uh, but in terms of just actual arm talent, this uh, this pitching staff is as good as it has ever been. Um, and I'm very, very hopeful and interested that we get to see all of it on display as soon as possible, because uh, we've been rightfully been excited about this uh, the way this Reds club has been put together this winter.
0: Oh, absolutely man i i have i have resorted i'm on youtube looking up full games and stuff which by the way don't <laughs> don't know if you know this or not you can watch the tom Seaver no hitter from 1978 uh the full game is on youtube and it has marty and joe doing the wow, commentary nice. i it's i'm I'm about to go watch it right now so i just found it the other day at work but um wick dude i appreciate your time we've gone a little bit over but i, I thank you so much for talking with me uh Definitely. If you don't already know, I don't know what you're doing. You're living under a rock. You got to go to the Red Reporter. It's one of the best Reds websites out there. I mean, you can't do any wrong with checking out what Wick and the guys have going on over there. They've got all the player profiles and things like that. Uh, what, what sort of stuff have you guys talked about doing uh, during the hiatus?
1: Uh, that's a very good question Um, (laughs) 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 I I, I will promise we will have content up there obviously today I was uh, rolling an article talking about Nick Castellanos Uh, you know obviously he's got opt-out clauses at at the end of the 2020 and 2021 seasons we don't know what the 2020 season is going to be right now. So, uh, you know, just aspects like that of, uh, of how a shortened season a modified season is going to be able to impact what the Reds have done already. Um, you know, I'm in the process of digging into more of that stuff about, uh, uh how a shortened season could, um, uh, kind of bring out different highlights on how a, a pitching staff is put together and how they might use it more like a playoff style, um, things like that, honestly. And the more unknowns, we get, I think the more questions we'll begin to ask because, um, you know, we, we know how to cover a baseball season. We've done that plenty of times before. We don't know how to cover this. And that's the um, I think it's a good thing in some regards because it makes us question things. It makes us ask questions about uh, how's this going to be different. And uh, so we're going to be diving into a lot of those as they kind of come up. Uh, I will say one thing. We will have stuff up there fairly often. Uh, we're not going quiet and all of this. Uh, We're going to do our best to continue to relay as much as we can about the Reds and um, see where all of this takes us and hopefully find out
0: more answers sooner than later. He is Wick Terrell. He is the Grand Poobah over at (laughs) TheRedReporter.com. Wick, thanks so much for being on the show.
1: Always. Thanks for having me.